All right, all right, take your seats, everyone, and be on your best behavior. We have a special guest this time, so take your seats, please. Thanks. This is the Change Academy podcast, a show where we apply our training in nutrition and movement and, most importantly, behavior change, and invite the odd, really smart guest on to help you create some sustainable, positive changes in your habits, your mindset, and your life. My name is Brock Armstrong, and you'll soon hear from my co-host, Monica Reinagel, because in this episode, Dr. Monica Johnson talks with Monica all about the ways in which people with ADHD often struggle with various aspects of behavior change, whether that's staying focused on a goal or following through on your plans or resisting impulses that lead them astray. Now, before we get into the interview, a little bit about our guest. Dr. Monica Johnson is a clinical psychologist and owner of Kind Mind Psychology, a private practice in New York City, and she's also a busy speaker, an author, a mentor, and a podcaster, one of our favorite kind of people. And she is the host of the Savvy Psychologist podcast. So here we go with the interview with Monica and Monica. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast, Monica. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So you and I are both hosts of podcasts that are part of the Quick and Dirty Tips Network. I have the Nutrition Diva, and yours is called Savvy Psychologist. And you recently did a pair of episodes on ADHD in which you focused on the ways in which this condition can really affect people's ability to thrive and and then also some concrete strategies for coping with this. And I was so interested in these episodes because as I was listening to them, it struck me that many of the areas of cognitive functioning or executive functioning that you talked about, things like response inhibition or planning and prioritization, flexibility, all of these, of course, are central to creating sustainable behavior change. These are things that we're constantly engaging with on this podcast and also in our Way Less Coaching program. But the reason I wanted you to come on the show and talk with me about this is because I want to shine a light on the fact that I think people with ADHD, which may be a larger proportion of the adult population that we than we previously acknowledged, mm-hmm. that these folks may be especially frustrated in their attempts to implement health behaviors and might need extra support to help them cope with and accommodate the ways in which their brains just work a little bit differently. And I bet that a lot of the standard approaches to healthy diet and exercise are simply not designed with these people in mind. Yeah, I would agree with you. So as adults, we may have learned some coping strategies uh, that help us work around the ways in which our brains work differently. And I really feel like the stigma around ADHD has really loosened to the extent that I hear people that may not even have ADHD, they'll claim it or or they'll even blame it for some sort of lapse that they've experienced. Like, oh, there's my ADHD. I'm just being ADHD. And I wonder, you know, that's great for people with this disorder to not feel so stigmatized, but does it also muddy the water at all for everybody to be kind of claiming those traits or... Does it help us see ADHD behaviors, as you said, as more of a a spectrum that many of us might be able to relate to? Well, I want to say in general, I think that stigma around mental illness has been lessening. So it does come up more casually in our dialogues in ways that are non-judgmental. I think something that's important to recognize about mental illness in general is that 
many of us, even though we may not have ADHD or we may not have, for instance, a diagnosis of depression, we can experience some of the things that people with these diagnoses like experience. You know, for instance, you may have never been diagnosed with depression, but I'm sure pretty much all of us can say, I've had a day or two in my life where I've been depressed. Um, the same thing with ADHD, like things like procrastination, having difficulty with concentration. All of us have days where that's an issue, but having a handful of days where that's an issue and having something be a daily struggle is a completely different circumstance. That's such a great point. And I've even heard it said that we're kind of living in an ADHD world right now that we're so overstimulated and just the pace of modern communication and technology has sort of fractured everyone's ability to focus and stay organized. So maybe that does help us recognize those behaviors as something that happens to all of us from time to time. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, we have so many distractions in our life. And technology is set up to be a distraction. By design. Yeah, my phone goes off 30 times a day to remind me that like there's something on Instagram or Facebook, you know, mm -hmm. that I should be looking at right now. You know, even before meeting with you, my phone was blowing up and I was like, I need to focus like, <laughs> on what I'm trying to do. But my phone kept calling for my attention. Now, you know, we don't want to make... ADHD, whether it's an actual diagnosis or just sort of a self-identification, we don't want to make it into a scapegoat for failing to do the things that we need to do, the reason that we can't succeed. And that's why I really appreciated your episodes, which offered insights into strategies that people who might struggle with some of these executive functions can, can use to help them succeed. So organization, time management, task initiation, these are also areas that people with ADHD often struggle with. And of course, all of these are going to be involved in achieving our goals. And one of the themes that I detected in your discussion was a tendency to become overwhelmed by the perceived size or complexity of a challenge. And I wondered, is this sort of an all or nothing cognitive distortion. So thinking, you know, if I can't complete this entire thing right now, or I don't yet know everything I will eventually need to know, then there's just no point in starting. Is it sort of a black and white uh, fallacy there? Yeah, that does come up often with people with ADHD. And sometimes there's also kind of um, a focus on kind of step 45 when you're on step one. <laughs> So that mm -hmm. also makes it feel kind of hopeless because from where you are right now, it seems like, oh, I could never get to step 45. But what you have to understand is like, I'm focusing on the wrong thing. All I need to focus on right now is putting on my shoes. I don't need to focus on how long I'm actually going to be able to go for a walk. Right. And then having somebody kind of outside you to help reflect that to you can be really helpful if you're tending to kind of get lost in the weeds you know, having having somebody that can kind of put you in the right place could be really useful. Absolutely. I often encourage for people to have, you know, people in their environment that they trust mm -hmm. and to be open about the struggles that they are having because it gives them a, a touchstone to kind of come back to. Oftentimes with ADHD, we do also have a the problem of shame as well. Hmm. You want to present in a certain kind of way. So you don't want to allow other people to know that you're struggling with something, particularly if it's something that you worry that other people will deem as simple 
or that you should be able to do this as like a 28 year old woman. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, but you need to have these kind of people that you can touch base with because they can point out things to you and your thinking. And over time, as you learn how to integrate this information, you'll get better at prioritizing over time. I mean, this is what happens in therapy. You know, what I try to tell my patients is everything I have in my head, I'm going to try to give to you over time. You know, I, the goal of therapy is not for you to be reliant on me from now until the time that you die, but for me to give you tools that will allow you to be able to do all of these things yourself. Exactly. And of course, that's not going to happen in one session. <laughs> no, no, no. It won't happen in one session. But over time, mm-hmm. patients with ADHD will improve at planning and prioritization. Right. Um, I think something that's also important to say about this is, While we're talking about kind of having a goal, like one goal, typically speaking, part of what leads to the overwhelming piece is that they want to accomplish this goal, but also their day-to-day life is kind of in chaos. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, chaos just begets more chaos. So sometimes the funny part is I'm working on establishing a foundation with a person before we even get to what is the like directed goal. So if we were using, let's say, you know, fitness and health as like a goal, it's like, that's great. We want to implement that. But when I look at your life, there's no sense of routine at all. In which we could then put this new behavior, right? What are we going to graft that onto? Yeah, We have to set the foundation and then we can implement your actual targets or goals into that new foundation we've built. That makes so much sense. And and I want to just touch on something that you mentioned about shame that people might kind of cover for deficiencies that they feel that they may have because it's embarrassing to them to struggle with something that seems to come easily to other people. And of course, we always uh, are liable to overestimate just how easily it's coming to everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. But I also think that for people who have struggled to with health behaviors or with weight loss or eating habits, you know, there's an extra layer of shame, right? And this is yeah. just societal conditioning that, you know, smart, good people can just kind of control themselves and, and make up their mind and do it. And if you've tried to do that and, and failed, then it's because you're weak or you're lazy or you're, you have no willpower or, you know, those kinds of things. So I can see how that just adds another layer of shame that keeps people isolated and from seeking the help and the support that could actually change things for them. Absolutely. I think we need to normalize the fact that like life is hard. Yeah, right. That's just a fact is that things are hard. We can do hard things, but I think that we really need to recognize that like it is hard. And when we go in and we oversimplify things, we invalidate people. And that's on both ends of the spectrum. If a person is in a situation where they're worried about appearing weak or lazy, but also on the opposite end with people who, you know, are strong all the time. Like there's an expectation that like strength equals ease. And it's like, no, it's actually really hard to be strong, (laughs) you know, Um, and to cope well in situations and all of these things. And so I think as a larger society, we just have to fully admit that things are hard. Right. You know, another interesting thing that you brought up in your episodes was this idea of metacognition. Mm. That was an interesting word. We don't hear that too much. And you defined it as the ability to step back and observe how you solve problems 
to self-monitor and self-evaluate. How am I doing? I guess that's kind of the ability to put a little bit of a distance between your direct experience and your interpretation or your analysis of that experience. And you mentioned a tool uh, called debriefing. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that works? Sure. Yeah. I think with, you know, with metacognition, yes, it allows you to step back and to be able to look at yourself more objectively. And so if you're not good at doing that, this is where, you know, my advice from earlier really comes in hand is really enlisting trusted people in your life to give you feedback Mm -hmm. on things, going to them and saying, here's a problem that I had and here's the process that I went through in order to solve that problem, you know, and then allow them to give you feedback or suggestions about it and really being open to that in a non-judgmental way. You know, someone I'm close to has ADHD and recently we went on a walk together and they were telling me about this elaborate solution that they were having to a problem. And I said, well, why don't you just email the person and ask them this? And they looked at me as though like I had presented them like, you know, with with the, the, the solution to life that I had just really dropped a huge amount of knowledge on them. It never occurred to them to just simply email this person. You know, they had come up with all of these elaborate steps that they could do to solve the problem on their own that I didn't feel like were going to work out well. I was like, just emailing them is going to give you a much more elegant outcome. <laughs> than what you're trying to do. Yes. And this is exactly why in the people that we work with on behavior change, sometimes they will come and and say, you know, I have this problem. And our first question is always like, what have you tried? And it's not to trip them up, you know, or to play gotcha, but sometimes we can learn so much by hearing their attempts to, you know, we can find like, oh, I see, you're trying to solve this problem over here, just exactly the example that you just gave with your with your friend. And so for those of you listening who have ever been put on the spot by us to tell us what you've already tried, this is why, you know, it's an opportunity to, to examine the process and not just the result, because that's often where the solutions lie. Oh, absolutely. And, and most of the time, what they, you know, a lot of times when people have tried a bunch of different methods, it's not even that you need to come up with a whole new method. You just need to modify mm-hmm. one of the methods that they've already tried. And there's usually some simple aspect of it that they have dismissed in some way. Yes. And I mean, a lot of what I'm doing when I first meet with a person to do ADHD coaching and things like that is just cleaning things up. Like, I mm. think they expect to come to me and I'm just going to tell them that they've been failing at life. And I'm like, you've actually had a lot of different successes and you've actually proven to me that you have a lot of different strengths in the fact that you have kept trying a lot of different things or that you were able to do this hard thing for as long as you were able to do this hard thing. You know, we can start to capitalize on what you have going for you versus having a frame of negativity around these different trial and errors. I mean... You know, I'm a psychologist, so by nature, like I'm a scientist. Research is all about having a hypothesis, Mm. trying it out, failing, and then trying again (laughs) until you get it right. That's right. And and that's such a, a good point that having somebody point out to you what has worked can really sort of shift your perspective. Sometimes having somebody help us realize what our strengths are, where we have made progress, all that we have accomplished can really 
um, build up our confidence for one thing that we can do, as you say, we can do hard things. And then also kind of give us some momentum and a foundation that we can that we can build on. So I, I really like that. That's such a gift to be able to give to people, mm-hmm. right? To point out the wins. So you can debrief with someone else and that can be really helpful if they can reflect back to you like, oh, wait a minute, I think there might be a missing link there or a false assumption. Is this also a useful tool to do just sort of in a self-reflective way or does that tend to just spiral into non-productive rumination? No, I would say in general, like mindfulness is very helpful broadly as a concept. You can do this through journaling on your own. Sometimes writing things down and being able to see it in front of your face, again, it gives you that bit of space from it. Mm -hmm. Something that I tell people all the time is I say, you can do arithmetic in your head, but you can't do calculus. (laughs) You know, and so like things are very complicated. And so you kind of need to show your work. You need to kind of sit down and write things out and take some time to like reflect on it. Mm -hmm. You know, some of also I would say the impulsivity in ADHD can get in the way of this process of not everything has to be decided right now. You can give yourself some time to like lay something down, come back to it, maybe with fresh eyes so that you'll have a slightly different perspective on it. Yeah, it's great insights. And and I guess last question for you for those listening to this show who are working towards their goals and might identify with some of the challenges that we've been talking about. And also for those of us who are trying to support them, any any words of advice, any last thoughts? Yeah, I would say, one, start small and also don't discount the small steps and changes that you're making. Mm-hmm. That's something that I see happen a lot with people is they don't think that the small changes are enough. And what I remind people is that small changes lead to big outcomes. Sure. Um, and so I think that's an important concept to have. And I would also say that any sort of should that comes to your mind is your enemy. So if you think to yourself, I should be able to remember this on my own, or I should be able to do this without help. That is your enemy. You know, all of us need support. All of us have to use tools and skills in order to be successful in life. And none of it's easy. Everything's hard. Well, I don't know whether to feel encouraged or <laughs> or discouraged. No, I do feel very encouraged by that. Yeah. Just the power of setting up systems, the power of asking for help. And the reminder that we always need to treat ourselves with compassion. Oh, yes. Hey, everybody. Brock here. Just jumping in to thank Dr. Monica Johnson so much for spending time with us here on the Change Academy podcast. And make sure to check her out at the Savvy Psychologist podcast. There are episodes over there on ADHD and a whole lot more stuff. And you can find links to that in the show notes for today, as well as a link to Monica's website, kindmindpsych.com. That's kindmindpsych.com. So I hope you can come back and uh, join us again, Monica. It was great to have you here. Yes, thank you so much for your time. And if there's ever a psychology question I can answer, yes, I'll come back. All right. All right, thanks everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagle, Brock Armstrong, and our special guest, Dr. Monica Johnson.